Hello, 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 hello. I know you guys probably, probably want to kill me for being gone for so long, but I've been busy with schoolwork. No lie, I've been holding the the weekly messages here and there, but now finally have the time to do the podcast, and I'm so glad that His grace carried me through. And if you're hearing this right now, that means His grace is carrying you through. And we're in this walk together. It is a blessing to be able to speak to you all today. And I pray that the Spirit may just move within my heart, within your heart, within our hearts, as one body, as one family of Jesus Christ. I hope you've been well this new year, as this will be the first message that you hear for the new year. And I hope everything is all right in your life, and I'm praying for you. Whether it's one person who listens, 15 people who listen, I'm praying for you. And I know that God will bless you and keep you, and his favor is shining upon you and giving you great peace. And if you don't feel like that, I urge you to keep digging in for the Lord. Keep digging in for the Lord. Keep digging in for the Lord, because when you seek first the kingdom of God, When you seek first, maybe you're feeling discouraged because your seeking patterns is off. Because what you seek is what's going to be your substance of strength. And anything that you seek in this world can only fill you for so long. So I urge you to seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and just ask him. Say, Lord, you know, I have to tell him this all the time. My seeking pattern, my priorities have been off. May you please set my priorities straight. That's a daily prayer. Because I'm not perfect, I fall short every day. So I just have to make sure, you understand, instead of saying saying, staying silent about your flaws, give it back to God. Because we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us because he knows what we have been through. Yet he did not sin, so we could come boldly to the throne of God, knowing that we will receive grace and mercy where we need it most. Where we need is most. That is Hebrew 4 verse 16, I believe. Excuse me while I take a, a sip of my turmeric tea. I hope you guys are staying healthy. Speaking of turmeric, it's a very healthy herb. The Bible says that the herbs of the land shall heal our body. So I hope you guys are staying healthy during this pandemic time. We are getting better. We are opening back up again. And if you're especially in Brazil and you're hearing this, I know you guys have the variant and things of that nature. So I pray, dear Lord God, right now, I pray for the people getting hit the hardest with this virus, dear Lord God. And even the small ears, dear Jesus Christ, that you just may send your healing, anointing power over these cities, over these states, over these countries, over these individuals, oh Lord God. And may your mercy and your grace just shine forth so much to the point where they have to realize that this is not normal. There's there's a different type of anointing over this place, over my life, over my family's life. And allow that to draw souls to you, dear Lord God, and save souls for your kingdom, Jesus Christ. We know that you're in the healing power. Thank you for where you brought us from this past year. could only be you. Help our faith to be anchored, our belief to be anchored. And when we lack faith and where we have unbelief and doubt, dear Jesus Christ, as I do, sometimes based on the circumstances or the lies of the enemy, dear Jesus Christ, I pray right now that we may be as solid as a rock when it comes on to 
trusting and having faith and believing in you. Help us where we do not believe, dear Jesus Christ, and just anoint us afresh with a fresh overflow of faith and hope and joy and the fruits of your spirit. Forgive us for we are unworthy, O Jesus Christ. And as we step into your word, may you open up our hearts to receive and our ears to hear. Cover us under your blood. Anoint us under your blood. Wash us with your blood. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. His blood, his blood, his blood, his blood. For any unbeliever or anybody getting to know Christ, his blood is the is the most powerful thing ever. Because when you think of blood, you think of, you know, nasty. No one wants to be wiped in another person's blood and things of that nature. But the blood of Christ, you see blood when you die. The blood of Christ, when he died, that blood shed, that blood cleansed us. It's because of that death that we could stand here right now saying that sin, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, lack of peace, bad relationships, uh, generational curses no longer have dominion over us. But grace does because of that blood, because of that death on the cross. And the resurrection is a symbol of us raising to new life. We have new life. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. And through the resurrection, the spirit now lives within us because Christ took upon what we couldn't bear, nailed nailed it to the cross. We were supposed to be on that cross because of our sin, but he took upon our sin, yet did not sin. The one who knew no sin, he came in sin in flesh. To condemn sin in the flesh. So the righteous requirement of the law could be fulfilled in us. What is the law? Something that they used to live up to in the Old Testament. God's commands that they gave. But we could never fulfill them because we are human and the law is perfect. So the perfection of the law had to come into our form. Take upon what we go through on a daily basis die, raise again, come within us so we can know that we can overcome too. And if we don't feel like we can't overcome, we have an overcomer. And we have a God who could always run to. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the good news. Um, That's the good news. That's the good news. But today I want to speak to you from Ezekiel. And it's a specific version because I don't know if any other version has this in the Bible for Ezekiel, but it's actually Ezekiel introductions. It's Ezekiel's introduction. So before you even get to chapter one, it's Ezekiel's introduction. Don't ask me how, but the Lord gave me that. And that's what we're going to be dealing with today. Ezekiel introduction. Today's title is, you could call it Ezekiel Introduction, or you could call it Ezekiel No Chapter. How about that? Ezekiel No Chapter. Ezekiel No Chapter. But um, it all stemmed from this. My aunt, she says, Josh, read Ezekiel 1. <laughs> Excuse me. And on January 5th, I was preparing to read Genesis 3, but the Lord redirects me to Ezekiel 1. Excuse me. 
And I'm as I'm as I'm, I'm about to read chapter one, he places on my heart to read the introduction. And I realize that God will allow people to lead you certain places to show you something totally different that he needed you to get at that point in your life that you would never find on your own. Anywho, so it's the introduction of Ezekiel in the English Standard Version or the ESV version, the ESV version. If you hear some music in the background, it is Maverick City. I strongly encourage you to listen to Maverick City. They're being used by the Lord for this generation. Like they're literally here called for this generation to bring forth a, a worship style unlike any other. So God is using them as empty vessels. So make sure you listen. So boom, Ezekiel was, um, let's read the introduction. The first dated message in Ezekiel is from summer of 593 BC. Spirit may be in this word. Four years after Nebuchadnezzar deported the first groups of exiles to Babylon. The latest dated oracle is 22 years later in April 571 BC. If Ezekiel was 30 years old when his ministry began, the final vision of the book came when he was about 50. I know somebody else who started their ministry at 30, but that's besides the point. Actually, this is this is his word. I mean, he is the word, so that is the point. <laughs> Ezekiel spoke to a people forced, exiled, from their home because they had broken faith with their God. As the spokesman for the Lord, Ezekiel spoke oracles that defended his reputation as a holy God. The primary purpose of Ezekiel's message was to restore God's glory before Israel, who had rejected him in front of the watching nations. Ezekiel prophesied during a time of great confusion, a time of great confusion. I don't know who finds themselves in that state right now, but Ezekiel prophesied in a time of great confusion following Israel's exile to Babylon in five 197 BC. A former Judean king was among the exiles, the 18 year old Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim, we're going to call him. You know, yeah, J Lo, he's Jeho. And the Babylonians had appointed a puppet king to the throne in Jerusalem, Jeho's uncle, Zedekiah. In times of crisis, listen to this God sent prophets to bring his message to his people. Judah's exile was therefore a period of intense prophetic activity. Jeremiah also served during this time. Ezekiel's fellow exiles were his main audience, but his oracles are also communicated to people who remained in Judah. Ooh. So between his first vision and his last vision, it was a process to get there. It was a process to get there because vision is a process. The fulfillment of a vision is a process. So he was sent to prophesy during a great time of confusion to restore God's glory before Israel. So for 20 years of his ministry, that means restoration was a process. That means purpose is a process. Restoration is a process. Because God will not reveal all he wants or has in store for you right away. 
It takes time. And you have to be patient in the process as he is pruning you. That's why he says that those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. Because you are enduring the process. And we could boast in our sufferings even when we feel like we're suffering during the process. Because we know that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. And character produces a hope. A hope that does not put us to shame because I believe the verse says of a love that has been poured out into our hearts. By God himself. I'm going to bring up the actual verse. But this hope cannot put us to shame. And, and, and that's the beauty of embracing the process. And I don't know who's in a process season right now. Where it doesn't look like God is completing what he's doing in your life. But God is saying knit by knit. Mold by mold. My mom often say, Lord, mold, 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 mold. But when you think about molding clay, my youth sister put it this way. When you think about molding clay, the only way you can mold clay is if you pressure the clay until it gets to the shape where you want it to be. And I don't know who's on the who who feels molded right now or pressured right now, but maybe you're on your last piece before God shapes you. Or maybe you're just now beginning, but it's a process. It's a process. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That is Romans 5 verse 5. I'm sorry, I should have had that prepared from before, but that's the Holy Spirit. Spontaneous. But catch this. It taking process, life taking process, restoration, purpose, vision, means it also gives you experience. It gives you experience. The morning I was preparing to give this word, which was February 6th, so about February 7th, or around that time, February 6th or 7th, the morning I was going over the word for tonight, or that you hear right now at that time, and I turned the page of the intro, and for the first time, I saw a little extra reading before chapter 1 that I didn't see on January 5th. And it says that Ezekiel, I'll read it to you. Ezekiel recorded his visions and prophecies while living near Babylon, where he had been exiled earlier. Ezekiel was a, was a, was a, was an exile. <laughs> Ezekiel was an exile. By Ezekiel's time, the Babylon, the Babylonian Empire had conquered almost all of the area along the eastern coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It would eventually conquer even the land of Egypt where many other Judeans had fled. So Ezekiel was an exile. He was an exile in Babylon before beforehand, meaning that he had to go through that to be able to have a foundation of credibility in which God could speak to him to the exiles in Babylon. He had to go through that resistance, and I'm here to tell you that God is using the resistance towards you to plant a seed of revolutionary within you that will end up restoring and rejuvenating his glory amongst his people. To revolutionize the brokenness in your family. To revolutionize the brokenness in your wrong patterns. To revolutionize the brokenness in your relationships. To revolutionize the brokenness in your finances. He is planting that seed within you. But if you don't steward, then you won't see the restoration come to pass. But the thing with, with revolution is that you have to 
you have to have resolution to start and to go through the revolution. You got to have that Holy Spirit resolution because the days when prayers seem like it won't work, the days when the devil seems like he has your mind wrapped, the days when the circumstances are getting ahead of every joy, peace, love, and hope that you have, you have to have that resolution to know that this revolution is one of restoration and the first step to restoration is release. It's when you say, God, I can't do this, so you have it. God, my heart is flawed, so you have it. God, my mind right now feels cursed, so you have it. God, my situation is is, is is unthinkable, so you have it. God, I don't know if I could have hope right now, so you have it. Lord God, have my wisdom. Lord God, have my worries. You see, you give God your good and your bad, because he didn't say cast your good cares upon me. He didn't say cast your bad cares upon me. He said, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. I believe that's in Peter. Cast it all. Cast it all. Release knowing that God within you is a revolutionary God who broke barriers between Jew and Gentile who came for our sins and said, "Uh uh-uh, you have no more power over us. But I have come into this world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. And I now am a resurrected king. He's a revolutionary. Who said, "Uh uh-uh, politics can't divide you no more. Denomination can't divide you no more. Religion ain't dividing you no more. Now it's about a relationship basis. This is what it's always been about. The Bible says that Moses saw God, talked to God face to face, not literally face to face, but they were so close that it was like they could hear, he could hear God so cleanly. It's about relationship, not about religion. He broke the power of death, hell, and the grave. He broke the power of your anxiety and your depression. He has authority over those things. And last time I checked, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, which means we have authority over those things through Christ Jesus. So I urge you today to pray to the Lord. Lord, help me live by the authority in which you have placed within me. By your son, Jesus Christ. Ask him. Ask him. I believe the Bible says that if we as evil fathers, I ain't a father, could give gifts to our children, how much more would God give gifts to us if we just ask? I believe it's the gift of the spirit to go back and check that scripture. So greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, meaning that you could get up today. No, I'm telling yourself that I don't walk by flesh. I don't walk by the things of this world. The things of this world is constantly going to mess up your peace. And not even mess up your peace. It's going to give you a temporary peace, but it's going to be a peace that can't, fit, that can't fulfill. And Jesus is saying, the peace I give to you, the world cannot give to you. Because if you think about it, the world's peace is dependent upon circumstances. Christ's peace is dependent upon his faithfulness. And his faithfulness is always endures. His faithfulness is always there. He could get up in the morning and say, I don't walk by the things of this world. I don't walk by flesh. I don't walk by anxiety, but by the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, patience, self-control, gentleness. 
not by sight, but by faith, knowing that I could rejoice in my problems and trials. For we know that suffering once more produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Character produces hope, and this hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And this love, there is no fear in perfect love because perfect love removes all fear of punishment, what rebuilds and is the foundation in which we could have faith in the Prince of Peace. And you see, the, 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 the Israelites right now, they're getting attacked. You could just imagine. Just imagine. But sometimes vile attacks are a segue for you to see a victorious advantage you had along through Christ Jesus. Maybe you're in the season right now where you're in and God is saying you're being attacked, but I want to show you that you're in the advantage. Because you would have an advocate that is way stronger than your adversary. And yes, they're vile attacks because the enemy hates you. But when you ask God to put on that shield... Of faith, that helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and the shoes of the gospel of peace, and the sword of the spirit, which is activated by prayer. And prayer is just a conversation in which you just talk to God throughout the day. You don't have to get on your knees. You don't have to clap your hands. You just say, God, I come into your into your presence unworthy. May you purify me of all unrighteousness and cast all your cares upon. Thank him. And then cast all your cares upon him. What are you thanking him for? Thank you that you could even speak to him. Thank you that you could even come into his presence. Thank you that you're alive to be able to cast your cares upon him. Thank you for him being a God that hears. And then lay it down at his feet. Lay down every single thing at his feet to show that you trust in him and trust in him alone. And the enemy hates you. So you make sure. And I have to do this on a daily basis as well. And if I don't, the day is off to put on the armor of Christ. Because the Bible says that when the enemy shoots his arrow, it hits the shield of faith. And they are extinguished. So you got to make sure you tell the enemy, I got it on the shield. A Maverick City song called The Blood is Still the Blood. So he says, Chandler Moore says, yo, if you're looking to find me, I'm under the blood. So it's time that you tell sin and you tell depression and anxiety and fear and hopelessness and, 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 and brokenness and a rough past and, and addictions and adultery and anything that is holding you down. It's time that you tell it that I am under the blood of Jesus. Meaning he washed me away from you a long time ago. <laughs> Meaning you don't have dominion over me anymore. Meaning get thee behind me, Satan. Look, the enemy hates that you're living for God or even trying to live for God. He hates that you're a child of God. Because we've been adopted. That means that innately, I don't know who I'm touching here, but the Bible says that we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We're born wicked. Our heart is wicked. Wickedness comes from the enemy. We belong to the enemy. Innately. But that's why it's important that we be born again and step into salvation and say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Have my heart. Have my life. Have all that I am. Because then... We're adopted into the kingdom of heaven in which we could say, Abba, Father. We could call Jesus brother and friend. And even if you're not, he's still saying, I'm still your, I'm still your friend and your, and, and, and your brother. I made you, I knitted you in your mother's womb. So come, come to me, come to me. I'm making the call to salvation early, but he's saying, come to me. 
and that, that 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 that's when life gets more joy filled. But the trials keep coming. See, the difference between a believer and a non-believer is this. We both go through the same storm. I believe it's Matthew 7 and Matthew 11 where Jesus talks about the, the, the storm and the foundations. We both go through the same storm. One of my cousins, MJ, put it this way. When you go through the storm, it might seem like the furniture is shaking on the inside, which it does. It might seem like our insides, our joy, our peace, the things that are usually firm in our homes and our in our souls. They're moving and they're shaking. But just because the inside is shaking don't mean the foundation is being shaken. And that's the difference between believer and non-believer. As believer, we have a foundation that when the storm comes, we Gucci. We're going to feel it the same way the other person feeling it. But we Gucci because we have a solid rock. But when you have a sandy foundation, as soon as the storm comes, it's clipped. And God is saying, you keep building up your hand. You keep building up your house on sand. And wonder why you keep falling down. Ask me to be your foundation. Ask me. It's a simple, Lord, be my foundation. It's a simple surrender. It's a simple sacrifice saying, Lord God, I keep falling down on my foundation, but I believe your foundation is secure because you are faithful, because you are loving, because I, because I know you enough to know. I know you enough to know that you're better than anything this world could tell me to stand on. You're better than the money. You're better than the cars. You're better than sexual experiences. You're better than all of it. I was watching my boy, Pastor Furtick, this past Sunday. He says one word in this word does more than anything that the world could offer you. And Jesus right now is saying, listen, you've been ripped out of the enemy's hands by the blood. And the fact that I could come despite of your sin to condemn your sin, to kill your sin, to declare your sin defeated means that I love you regardless. Meaning that I love you regardless. I love you regardless wherever you are, whoever you are. Whatever church you go to, whatever you believe it in, I love you regardless. I love you regardless. And I'm welcoming you to become my child. I'm welcoming you to come into my fold, to make me your shepherd so I could take care of you. Don't be a child of this world. Don't be a slave to this world. Don't be a slave to sin and anxiety. But listen to this. He told his disciples this. I tell you everything the Father told me. So I no longer call you servant. I call you friend. Imagine being friends with the very same man who died for you and rose again for you. Think about it. Would you die for a righteous person? No. But he died for sinners. Just think about how good that sounds. That the anxiety you're feeling right now, God 
felt the same thing, yet overcame, defeated it to show that that very thing that you think has power over you no longer has power over you. No longer has power over you. He's letting us know that now that we could each day put on the full armor of Christ. The full armor of Christ. It's at your disposal. It's like I'm playing Fortnite. <laughs> if I see a med kit that I need and I keep going, I'm going to die. But unless I pick up that med kit, And I have to hold on to X to make sure it goes into full effect. You have to hold on to Jesus to make sure your med kit goes into full effect. To make sure your joy, your peace, your hope goes into full effect. Let me ask you something. Are you going outside without a mask on? Unless you live in Texas. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm just playing with you. I I I love you Texans. I love you Texans. Are you going outside without a mask on, though, in in this pandemic? Most likely not, because it's a war zone outside. So you put your mask on before you go out, so you have a less chance of catching the virus. So you go out prepared for battle, not leaving your mask anymore. Sometimes you forget it, and you run back into the crib for your mask when, when you forget, but it's right where you left it. And I was at my aunt's house, and it was either the night of the 27th or the 28th of January, and me and my aunt were speaking, and the Lord spoke to me and said, rely on your master like how you rely on your mask. Because it's a spiritual war zone every second of your life, but God is saying, spend a moment in my bone, spend a moment in my presence and pray, because if you go without your mask, don't be surprised when everything goes spiraling down, because we ain't fighting against flesh and blood, but against spiritual principalities. It's a moment. It's a moment in prayer. A moment in his presence. Could change everything. And that thought of mine came when I was listening to, to I believe her name is Ty. I was listening to Hillsong, Hold My Heart. You should really go listen to that too. I'm going to drop in, drop in these music gems for you. <laughs> Could I remember and God sent her and her obedience to remind me. But I had to wait it out. To hear those words from her. It's a process. And when you really think about the the armor of God. Remember the helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The shoes of peace. The belt of truth. The shoes of the gospel of peace. The belt of truth. The sword of the spirit. And the shield of faith. And you really think about the shield of faith. Think of a shield. The Bible says with the shield you could extinguish all flaming darts of the evil one. Every Every anxious thought that comes. Boom. Dead. That means you got that means you gotta stand guard right away because I know as one who goes through anxiety from time to time, if you stay silent and don't fight or don't focus, that anxious thought is going to fester to the point where it feels like it can't go nowhere. But the Bible didn't say that the darts wouldn't hit the shield. It's gonna hit the shield, and sometimes others are gonna hit harder and at more rapid pace than most. And you feel like you're being defeated because your faith is going down, your shield is failing. But I'm here to remind you that you have a faith. If you have a faith of a mustard seed, that keeps the shield up alone. A faith of the mustard seed, of a mustard seed, 
keeps that shield up alone. What does that mean? That's the smallest seed that you could ever plant. But it ends up being the biggest tree in the garden. Why? Because as you continue watering it, it grows. And right now, some of you have a mustard seed faith. And we all do at certain moments. And we all do, period. That's where we start. But as you continue to read the word, as you continue to get into youth groups and and, 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 and solid church families, and you know that you're in the place where God called you to be, your seed begins to water and water and water and water. But it's a process. Restoration is a process. From seed to tree is a process. And look at as I was reading Ephesians 6 verse 11. Again this morning, the ESV Bible has a little explanation at the bottom. And it showed me something crazy, that the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is the only offensive weapon out of all the weaponry. And how do you activate it? How do you activate every weapon? Prayer. Then I realized the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, doesn't give you the go-ahead to only swing, but to surrender. To who? To Jesus Christ. So if the sword of the Spirit is, is the Word of God, activated by prayer, and Jesus is the Word, and the Word became flesh, the word was, was with God, and the word is God. That means our actual weapon is Jesus Christ. That means our actual weapon is the blood of Christ. So we can look at our issues and say, listen, the blood wiped us away already. We can look at our circumstances, and we can look at the anxious thoughts, and we can say, the blood wiped us away already. The blood wiped us away already. The blood wiped us away already. The blood wiped this away already. God wiped this away already. Any of your burdens has a bad record with the blood. Because he defeated it. The blood washed away everything once and for all. The blood of Jesus washed away everything once and for all. And it's important that we surrender on a daily basis because that's what prayer is. Praise the surrender of you saying, God, I can't do this fight, this battle for me. So fight this battle for me. Praise is a surrender saying, God, I accept you as Lord and Savior. Praise the surrender saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. Praise the surrender saying, God, strengthen me for I am weak. But where I am weak, you are strong. And also remember the attacks of the enemy. They don't have to be physical, but they could be mental. There's a lot of mental health issues going on nowadays. And Lord God, right now, I pray for those who are going through the mental health stages, oh Lord God. And you're seeing that it doesn't have no famous barriers, but this pandemic, this quarantine, whatever it may be, the mask, whatever it may be, the social distancing, lack of social ability. It's affecting people's mental health, oh Lord God. And I just pray that they may find peace in the season in your name, Jesus. Amen. But the attacks don't have to be physical, but mental. And if you're feeling resistance right now, know that you're on the right track because the enemy is not going to attack those who are working for him. Why burden your own people? You might say, well, God gives people disease and he's in control and he's letting all this and that happen. But what you don't understand is that what you see as a burden, God has already purposed it as a blessing. How do I know? Romans 8 verse 28, for all things work together for 
for the good of those for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose all things and he has birthed within us each one of us a special gift a purpose we're called according to his purpose we just have to live by it because living by his purpose is a sign of loving him and fearing him as you live by the purpose, acts of purification, of intent, and humility. And look at the, the Israelites, they were exiled to, to Babylon. And it is there that Ezekiel got the experience of being ex- exiled. And his mission to restore God's glory before Israel was based on his, ex- his experience as an exile. Because he saw the actions and the ways of his fellow exiles and how they had broken faith with God. So his message was one of restoration, but there's no restoration without redirection. Sometimes you'll be led to some weird places, some abnormal places, some weird situations, some abnormal situations, but there lies restoration. Yeah, Jesus, the son of God, he was led to a criminal's cross, but there lied restoration. Jesus, the son of God, he was in a grave. He was in a grave, but outside that grave, when he rose up on Sunday, lie freedom. Inside that grave, lie freedom. Him. Restoration lies in the redirection. See, Corona redirected us, but restoration, lie, re, restoration lies in the redirection. And you might see it right now, or you might not see it right now, but you're being restored by the Redeemer himself. Because look at the redirection of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego was to bow. But they didn't bow. Sorry, the direction was to bow, but they didn't bow. So the redirection landed them in the fire. But in the redirection was the restoration. In the redirection was a fourth man that looked like to Nebuchadnezzar, the son of God. In the redirection was a restoration. In the redirection was a restoration. And sometimes it feels like the redirection is going to kill us. But God is saying, the thing that seems like is going to kill you, I'm right in it with you. I'm right in it with you. And Pete, God, before God took them out of the fire, he had to show them that he was with them in the fire. The restoration lied in the redirection. He redirected them to the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar did. The same king here of Babylon who's holding the Israelites in exile. He redirected them to the furnace. And redirection led restoration. And the redirection is going to hurt sometimes. But we have a great high priest. He doesn't take them out of the fire, but he's right them with them in the fire. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but he is right there with you in the fire. Anywho, back to Ezekiel. <laughs> His message was to restore God's glory before Israel, who had rejected him in front of watching nations. His own people rejected. His own people rejected him. God's own people rejected him. I reject him on a daily basis when I feel lazy and I end up not doing what he called me to do. We reject him on a daily basis. His own people rejected him. 
But God still had mercy to restore through Ezekiel. Because God loves you. Saying you're not supposed to be succumbed to this world. You are mine, so come. He has a wide open hand saying come. And that don't mean problems in life dissipate. dissipate? I believe that's the word dissipate or get less than. It just means that you have a peace that sustains you through your problems. A peace that passes all understanding. You have someone to submit your, your, your anxious thoughts to, your requests to. You have someone to thank, knowing that he is ever faithful. Ladies, that's the man you should be with. Just kidding. No, I'm not just kidding. That is the man you should be with. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Looking for someone faithful? Jesus. Jesus. We are his bride. <laughs> we are his. We are. We are his precious prizes. Once you receive the fact that you're precious. Despite the pressure, you could still. Live out your purpose. Knowing that you have a peace on the inside of you that is bubbling over. Past every problem. The next sermon we're going to talk about living water. It's a living water that tells you, yo. There's a spring being built within you. That you don't have to. You don't have to kill yourself right now. You don't have to hurt yourself right now. Whether that's mentally, physically, literally, figuratively. You don't got to kill yourself right now. You don't got to give up right now. You have a purpose. God is saying, come, start a relationship with me. Let me show you. You've probably been rejected by the church before. That's learned to your, led to your disbelief in God. But God is saying, this Christian walk is not dependent upon what people do. It's dependent upon what I have done. And I've died for your sins. And I've sacrificed for you. And I rose again to show you that I'm an risen king. I'm an alive king. And I rose so much so that you, you could have my spirit within you. Once you receive me. He sheds his mercy upon us. And he shed his mercy to restore his people through Ezekiel and sometimes God will restore your life through others and if your pride gets a hold you will never be able to receive the chance God has given you to be restored and you're saying God restore me and he's saying don't reject me you could title this message restoration process he's saying the minute you receive is the minute I restore because you are a new creation the minute you accept me is the minute I make a home within you and the old is gone and you are a new creation in Christ Jesus God was dead giving them another chance. And God right now is giving us another chance. But sometimes God kicking you out. Look, look, because he has to kick them out of their own territory. And sometimes you're wondering, why am I in this foreign exile situation, in this foreign exile place? And sometimes God has to kick you out of the territory to allow you to remember or become awakened to the truth. That you're nothing. And you can't do it without him. 
With him, you are more than conquerors. And because him, you because he lives, you live. That's who you are through Christ Jesus. Everything that the Bible says you are through Christ Jesus, more than a conqueror. Have authority to cast out demons and diseases. That's all through Jesus. So without Jesus, you're none of that. The spirit of power, love, and Salman, which comes through the Holy Spirit living within. Without Jesus, we're none of that. Now, why did the Israels reject God before the nations? Because you see, I don't know the exact, I should do more research, but I don't know the exact reasoning, but I've come to the cause that when all conditions in front of you is telling you to reject God or not to believe in Christ within you and causing doubt, then it's easier to stop praising God and following those on the outside. And the Israelites probably got comfortable in the position of broken faith. And for those wondering why are you in an uncomfy position, like how the Israelites were in exile, God is saying, sometimes I got to kick you out in order for you to accept the fact that you need to come back in. Sometimes you got to kick you up because the greatest restoration happens in exile. When you're outside your comfort zone, realizing that, oh, I don't like this place. I can't handle this without God. And you might not see it right now, but restoration is a process in which God is setting up the pieces for you to experience the restoration. God promises in Ezekiel 11. God promises in Ezekiel 11. Holy Spirit, speak. He says, listen, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I'll put within them. I'll remove the heart of stone from the from their flesh and give them a, a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. This is a promise. They have to go through exile to even realize this promise. Restoration is not only a process, it's a promise. It's a process, and the process in which you see the restoration is a process. But his promise stands firm that he will. Anytime you say he will in the Bible, it's going to happen. And David calls out in Psalms 51, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. It didn't just happen overnight. It takes time. But once you cry that out, he begins the molding. He begins the shaping. He begins. He begins. The minute he touches you, you are restored, but you see the folding of it with time. (laughs) So what heals all all wounds? Closing soon. Is it time or is it trust? I believe it's trust. Because if you don't put your trust in Jesus to restore it, then then time would keep on going and you would see no change. So now you have the Israelites who are confused at exile, probably wondering why them. I cannot tell you how many times this past year I asked the Lord, why me? Why me in anxiety? Why me in prom year? Why me in graduation? Why this school year? They were confused at exile. They didn't even realize that they got themselves here. 
Sometimes we're blind to our very own dysfunction because it has become a part of us. So the Lord has to make a move as if he is apart from us. Exile. So we can call on him to realize he never left, but we did. And this is where I'm in in life, realizing that he never left me. Because look at Ezekiel is speaking to exiles from their land, but although they're exiled from their land, doesn't mean they're exiled from God's love or else he wouldn't be sending his prophets during these time of crisis. It's easy to believe when you're in a certain position that God doesn't love you because of the conditions. But God's love has no condition. He says nothing could separate. Nothing, 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 nothing. Nothing could separate. Nothing could separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Neither death, the grave, height, nor death, rulers, life, angels, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers. Anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up, Lord. And I want you to look around you and find an indication in the midst of your situation to just confirm that God is still faithful. That he still loves you. And right now you're confused and all over the place, but get ready to return. Restoration is a process that begins with the redirect, but it is completed with the return. And right now you're getting ready to return back to where God wants you to be. And right now you're getting ready to return back a different breed, to return back with a different mindset, to return back with a different heart. But God is saying, I have to send you out in order for you to come back in the way I want you to be. So you must have faith in the exile, in the uncomfortable place to know that God is making a way despite your dysfunction, despite your sin, which probably means that he is bigger than both of them. Look, it's a great time of prophets, which means they are being fed by God's wisdom. So you have wisdom in the time of worry. Look out for wisdom in your time of worry because worry opens the door for wisdom to be placed on you because worry makes you weak. And when we are weak, we know to call upon the warrior who makes us strong and feeds us wisdom when we're asking what's next, when we're asking what's next, when we're wondering what's the next step, when we're wondering, God, come, come, come and tell me what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. Sometimes we don't Receive what's next because we don't embrace the quest to go on to what's next or what God wants to show us next. But that's a different sermon for a different day. (laughs) But you can't get wisdom if you let the worry overtake your mind. Overtake you because your mind is all over the place. And there's some scattered minds right now, including mine. And my mind was scattered on January 5th when I wanted to read Genesis 3. And it was a it was a fright, bro. It was a fight, and I went on IG to try to release my burden because I felt scattered, I felt exiled, I felt uncomfy. To take my mind off what I saw as a failure, and I went on IG scrolling, and when I was scrolling, I saw a video of this girl speaking of the passage in Matthew 7 where Jesus declared not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but those who persist, persist in doing the Father's will. I was like, yo, it's over, bro. (laughs) 
I'm going to go home and get in prayer. It's about persistence in the Father's will. When you fall, you get back up, shake the dust off and say, by his grace, I am saved. I am human. I am not perfect. Devil, you're not going to make me feel guilty because his grace erased your guilt and your guilt no longer holds dominion over me, but his grace does. I hope someone is receiving this word. I got home to the, the fire and I prayed. And as I prayed, God placed Ezekiel on my heart. Because when you pray, God will give you new things. And now what was my worry by way of failure turned into wisdom by way of faith. In obedience of someone that posted that bit. Now I don't know what denomination she was. I don't know how she was been a part of the body of Christ. But all I know is that she was a part of the body of Christ. And as the body of Christ, we're here to help one another humbly in love with our gifts through our obedience. Not to be jealous of who go this place this day or who do this on that and that and this. We are one body. We are one people called to many parts. And if he called you one place, then so be it. I have no job to condemn you for being there. So Christians, let's stop judging. That's how we put unbelievers in exile. Look, we're one, and excuse me for that, for the yarn. We are one body. And it's not about the day you go to church, because service is not what you go to on the weekends, but what you do daily. What makes you great is not your status, but your service. And now the introduction goes on to say that Ezekiel was deeply concerned with restoring God's people to holiness. In regards to God's people, in regards to the lost people of this world that God is waiting to become, their father, once they experience him, and they say, Lord, here's my heart. Let's start a relationship. What are we concerned about in regards to God's people? Look, his grace is available to all. God sent his son to the world that whoever believes. And once you believe, you become connected back to God. Because if this is the sermon you hear and not the previous ones. So this is the one on creation. I, I think that was episode four. I urge you to go watch that one. Adam and Eve, when they sin. We were disconnected from the Garden of Eden. We're disconnected from God. I believe a flaming sword and a cherubim was placed in front of the tree of the, the tree of life. But the tree of life <laughs> said, "Let me come to the other side of the cherubim and experience what this sin is. Kill this sin, so the flaming sword that is a barrier between humans and God shall be no more." Jesus is that mediator. Jesus is our God. And he's the son of God. Father God actually calls him God in Hebrews. Jesus is the son of God. He is God. They are three in one. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All working in unison. To restore. To save. 
What are we concerned about with God's people, the people of this world? Their rejection of us since we follow God or their restoration through God, through the God that we follow? Listen, I used to fear chatting God the way I do because I thought, you know, it was weak and it wasn't cool. Till I realized I am weak, but talking about the one who is the king of all kings is strong. Or is your desire to get people's attention? Because if it's one of those two, you will never be satisfied. What are you concerned with? Can't be dependent on people. When your concern for others is fueled by prayer, each day your tank is filled with the living water of Christ. And I emphasize prayer because we all need to pray for that zeal. Especially me, the season I'm just coming out of, where was just this lack of zeal. It's going to take a minute till you see growth, till you see restoration. But when you pray, you're saying, God, this is about daily growth in our relationship. So create in me a clean heart so I may worship you, so I may live for you. Worship is a daily sacrifice, which, which you offer up your body as a living temple. Simply terms, you give him your broken heart. You give him your brokenness. And with prayer as the priority of your relationship, you could be in exile, be in an uncomfortable place, but have an assurance of the promise that the attendance of his presence is with you and is present and within you when you choose to let him in and die to self and pick up your cross and follow him. Listen, the Israelites were in exile for roughly 70 years, but if they didn't harden their hearts, and Lord, right now I pray that you may unhard, hallelujah, that you may unharden our hearts so we could hear your word. If they did not harden their hearts, they could hear the promise of God through his servant Ezekiel and be hopeful because whenever your situation seems hopeless, God will always provide a source of hope. And our hope is not put this hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit because God's love has saved us because God's blood has been shed on the cross. Hallelujah to save us from our sins. You might be saying, well, how come I'm going through the same storm as someone who isn't a Christian? Why am I in exile? Well, here you go. Here's the scripture. In Matthew 7, Christ talks about the man who built his house on sand and one on the rock. And how when the storm hits, the one who's built on the sand fell. But while the one is on the rock stands, we have a rock of ages, a firm rock. Then I realize we all may share the same storm, but it's not about the storm. It's about the structure. And as sinners, we will go through storms no matter what. But what distinguishes once more believers from non-believers, those centered on Christ, is our structure that makes us realize that we are firm. That we are firm, that the anxious thoughts may come, but we have a weaponry that, that that no weapon that formed against could prosper. And right now it seems like the enemy for the Israelites, the Babylonians has won and the exile is a time of problems, but it is also a time of prophets. A time of prophets in which the Lord gives Ezekiel the words, I will open your graves, O my people, and I will bring you to the land of Israel, and I will make them one nation in the land, and one king shall be king over them, and they shall no longer be two nations, and no longer be divided into two kingdoms. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols and their detestable things. You see, this was the same exile in which God gave Ezekiel the vision of the dry bones in the valleys, and he said, tell the dry bones tell the dry bones to get up tell the dry bones to get up tell the dry bones
the dry bones, the dry places. The authority of God, when you know who you are in Christ Jesus, you could tell the dry bones to get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Verse 3 of Ezekiel 37, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel answered, the Lord God, you know. <laughs> that means he don't know. <laughs> A lot of us in this season of I don't know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. It's time we tell our dry places the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord that he has called us by His by, by our name and we are his. That the punishment that gave us peace was placed upon him. The word of the Lord that he is with us and he will never leave us nor forsake us. That be not discouraged for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. Be of good courage. Be strong and courageous for I am with you for generations to come. It's time that we hit our dry places telling it that listen that listen, that listen, I do not fight with weapons of this world, but of divine power. So you're going to be watered. You're going to be live today. The dry bones. And we want the dry bones removed. But God is saying, I want the dry bones revived. It's time that we start telling our dry bones with the authority of Jesus Christ revived. And I don't know who I'm speaking over. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But I don't know who I'm speaking over. But someone right now needs to tell their dry bones live in the name of Jesus Christ. And needs to go something like this. Father God, I am not worthy. So I ask that your spirit may come within me and purify me and speak through me. That in the, by the authority of Jesus Christ, who has died for my sins, dry bones revive. Dry bones revive. You see, right now our minds are being are, are dry with anxiety. He's, he doesn't want to remove our minds. He wants to revive our minds. But in, 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 in order to revive our minds, he has to take the very essence of what was and shift it to what will be in his name. He has to take that very fearful, anxious thought and turn it into a thought of peace. Because the anxious thought is dry, but the revived thought is peace. It's still thoughts. Dry bones live, dry bones live, dry bones live, dry bones live, dry bones live. There was purpose in the exile. There was purpose in the exile. God goes on to say, I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. The exile brought unity. <laughs> The uncomfortable place brought unity, and one king shall be king over them all, and they shall no longer be two nations and no longer divided into two kingdoms. Uh-uh, we're going to be one body. We ain't going to be divided into two. We're going to be one body. Don't this sound familiar? This is exactly what Jesus did between Jew and Gentile. He said, uh-uh, we're going to be one body. Through the Holy Spirit, we're one body. 
When the temple turned in two, there was a significance behind that, that anyone could step into the presence of the Lord. That anyone could come surrender at the feet of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a priest to go into the holiest of the holiest room where the presence of the Lord resides. But now the presence of the Lord <laughs> is right where you are. And you just have to say, Lord, presence, come in. Presence of the Lord, come in as I step in. Come in as I step in. You don't have to have status to step in. All you have to do is have to have sacrifice. And your sacrifice is a broken and contrite heart in which you surrender unto God. Whew. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols and their detestable things. You see, when you return, there's going to be a different type of energy. There's going to be a different type of mindset or with any of their transgressions. But I will save them from all the backslidings in which they have sinned and will cleanse them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. This is Ezekiel 37 verse 24. Now my servant David shall be king over them and they shall have one Shepherd, they shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. They shall dwell in the land that I give to my servant Jacob, where your fathers live, they and their children, and their children's children shall dwell there forever. And David, my servant, shall be the prince forever. And I will make that I will make a covenant of peace with them. You see, let me tell you something about this covenant of peace. When the mountains and the hills be may be may be removed, the covenant of peace. And love shall not be shaken and will not be removed. He says, I'll make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. In their midst forever. I will set my being in their midst forever and my spirit in their midst forever. My dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Even when you don't feel like it, you're still his people. You're still his people. You're still his people. You're still his people. If you're, look, they backslide. For anybody who believed but has backslide, you're still his people. Because once you believe, you're his people. And he's saying, just come back. For anyone who doesn't believe, he's saying, come and enter my fold. Come and enter my fold. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel. When my sanctuary is in their midst forever. When my being is in their midst forever. That is where I dwell. He, that you are where he dwells. You got to gotta say, Lord, come into my heart so you can dwell within. Their purpose, there's purpose in the exile. Remember, they were scattered, so there's purpose in the scattering. Right now, it seems like your your family is scattered, your marriage is scattered, your finances are scattered. There's purpose in the scatter. And God does not plan to harm you, but to prosper you. And I've come to realize that we've materialized that verse and think it's materials. Uh-uh. I'm strongly convicted that when he says prosper means higher in relationship with him. God plans to keep on going higher with you in relationship, not to harm you. So you might be in a harmful situation, but his plan is to still prosper you in your relationship with him. Yes, he wants to bless us, but the things of this world will never suffice for with as 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 much as a prosperous relationship with him would. And 
And all this is the story of Christ, for we were torn between two. We were, we were torn between two. We were sheep gone astray, but grace stepped in and said, You're coming back home, and you shall be in me and me, and my Father will make a home within you. In the midst of division, God had already set up it all for deliverance. And right now, like I said, your faith is divided, and you're scattered, and you feel like you're in exile, but get ready to return home. Our inheritance is in the kingdom of the Lord. That is our home. In the exile, they still didn't believe, but when it was all said and done, they returned. God still had promise for them, even in their dysfunction. And God still has purpose for you. And his promise still stands, even in your dysfunction, even in your disbelief, whatever it may be. He still loves you. His grace is still for all. He's saying it's time for you to stop being a child of this world. This world has nothing to offer you. It's time for you to step in to your purpose and be a child of God. Like I said, we're born wicked. We're not all children of God. Go read 1 John. I believe it is. He looks at the Pharisees and says, your father is the devil. When you, make, when you start that relationship with him, when you accept him for who he really is, we have that privilege to say, Abba, Father. We're born again. So we got a whole new lineage. I'm sorry, anxiety. My lineage is in the Lord. My lineage is in the Lord. And right now you may feel like you're in exile, but get ready to return home. We who were once scattered because of sin is saved by the blood of Christ that has made us one through the Holy Spirit. He made us free. We were exiled, but God set us free. And now it's your choice. Do I live in this freedom? Do I live in this land restored? Do I live in this new life and this new creation? Or do I stick to my old ways before the exiles? Or do I live in the new? See, the new could be the now if you allow it to be. And God is saying, for forget the pre-exile days. Jesus Christ left his home, heaven, and came on earth because of our sin as son of man and son of God. Nailed our sin to the cross, defeated it. The result of death is the grave came out of the grave to show that death is not the final say, but because he lives, we also live. So we have eternal salvation wrapped when he comes back to take us when he comes back again. So we could be here on earth, but have a heavenly mindset, knowing that that's where our savior is. And that's where our savior came from, took upon our sin and died. I'm going to say it again. That is the gospel. That is the good news. So that we could live again. And he's saying, come, I could give you life. Stop living in strife and start living in my life. It's your choice. He exiled himself so we could return home. And he's saying, come, enter back. Live that life no more. For the covenant of peace, it's me. For that promise of peace, is me. The peace that you're looking for. It's me. It's me. Come try me again. Maybe you had a rough history in the church. Maybe you had a rough past. Maybe you've been hurt, molested, whatever the case may be. He's saying, come, let me, let me show you that you still have purpose. Let me show you that my promises are true. 
Let me show you that. Give me a chance. <laughs> Give him a chance. It's the best chance that you ever take. It's the best chance that you ever take. His promises are true. They will be my people and I will be their God. He will make a home within us if we just receive him. Imagine everlasting God making a home within us. If you were a king and you saw your son drowning, you're going to drop all your royalty to go into that current to save your son because you love him. But you have to go through the same current he goes through. And the fact that you brought him out when he was drowning shows him that, that you must be stronger than the current that was drowning him. And now you have a choice. Do you go back to the, to the water and drown again? Because the water seems good at first until the current comes? Or do you keep walking with your father? It's the same thing with Jesus. He experienced our, our temptations, our sinful pleasures, all of it. Yet did not sin. Yet defeated sin. Take us out of sin to show us that, listen, I overcame. Live me. How do you live me? Love. Love others and they will know that you are my disciples. It's a perfect love that casts out all fear. It's a pure love. And if you're ready to let that love rule your life, if you're ready to let Christ Jesus in and Thank you, Lord, for my mom. She gave me this idea. I believe when I was giving this message or in the next message that you'll hear in the next podcast when I was doing it that night, that Saturday night. My email is joshua.haran12345 at gmail.com. If you have any questions, if you want to study the word, if you're accepting Christ right now, if you want to grow in your relationship with him, if you want to study together, let's do that. Let's do that. Joshua.haran12345 at gmail.com. I'm hoping to hear from at least one person. But it's a daily growth. You're not going to change overnight. It's a daily growth. But as soon as you say, Lord, let's start this relationship, He restores. And you are new. You might not feel new, but you are new. You are new. Romans 10 verse 9 says those who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and by God's power rose again they shall be saved. It's nothing you could do to be saved. It's everything he did by coming and dying for you that you are saved. Your works can't do it. But you're saved by grace through faith. And he's saying come. And if you're ready to come says he stands at the door and knock. Those who let him in, you have to let him in. He ain't going to force you. Religion may force you, but he ain't going to force you. He's saying, come. You are my child. I died for you. A righteous person would barely, someone would barely die for a good person. But I died for you who are broken 
And I know you're broken because you go through anxiousness and depression and things of that nature. That's a symbol of your brokenness. If you're going through that, that means you're not perfect. If you're not perfect, that means you're not God. That means that you're broken and disconnected. And he's saying, let me complete you. Let me make you blameless by my spirit that I'm going to put within you and breathe over your life. But you have to let me in. And if you're ready to let me in, it doesn't only mean... A peace here on earth. The reason why you can have that peace here on earth is because you know that your salvation is locked. That you're that, 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 that you going to heaven. That this world, you know that there comes a point where you get so tired of this world and you know I have nothing to offer you. And you're like, God, what's new? And God is saying, listen, this is a fact that I have a, I've gone to prepare a place for you in heaven. So when I come back again, you're going to forget these things. But for right now, while you're here, you could have a heavenly mindset. A Christ mindset, knowing that this is not my home, knowing that this too shall pass. It's an eternal salvation. It's an eternal peace. If you're ready, repeat after me. Lord God, my heart is broken. But I ask that you may purge me with hyssop right now. I ask that you may purge me with your blood. Clean me out. Clean out my heart. And as you clean me out, I declare you, Jesus, as my personal Lord and Savior. Believing that you died for my sins and by God's power rose again. And now I ask that you may come make a home within me. And today I declare that I am set free. From my backslidings, from my dysfunction, I am set free from the things of this world, from anxiety, from depression. Come on, name whatever it is. I am set free in the name of Jesus Christ. And I shall live in this freedom through the power of your Holy Spirit. I am made new. Jesus Mold me and grow this relationship. Come into my heart. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins and raising again by God's power. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And hyssop, hyssop is a plant it's a cleansing plant. It's a cleansing plant. It's a cleansing plant. You say, Lord, purge me with hyssop. Purge me with hyssop. Purge me with hyssop. Purge me with that cleansing plant. And I believe it was the hyssop, sign of the hyssop on the on the door of the Israelites in the in the Egypt time when I didn't expect to keep preaching. <laughs> I gotta make sure I go back, make sure it's accurate. But I leave it I believe that was a sign 
of their covering. Of their covering. You're free to go. I just want to give you the clear example of hyssop. I don't want to leave no one confused of what hyssop, the importance of hyssop really is. And I want to thank God because just now as I was praying, as I was reading Romans 10 verse 9, believing in heart, I usually just say, Lord God, receive you as personal Lord and Savior, but he gave me something new. Believing in heart, ask for a cleansing of heart so you could, when you're saying those words and accepting Christ, it's pure. It's pure. Hyssop in the Bible. Yeah, hyssop was mentioned in the Bible for its cleansing effect in connection with the plague, leprosy, and chest ailments, and symbolic and cleansing in the soul. You know. And when Jesus was dying, I believe they gave him vinegar and a hyssop, hyssop stick, I believe so, or hyssop plant. Like I said, you could go. I'm, I'm done. I just want to give clarity. It's always good to do some research. Yeah, so the hyssop marked who would be saved from the death that struck the firstborn of the Egyptians. Thank God. And then saying that the stick used to help satisfy Jesus' thirst when he was on the cross was a hyssop branch. John is invoking the symbolism associated with it. The symbolism of hyssop says that something about the thirst of Jesus, about how we humans who commemorate Jesus' death on this day can help to satisfy that thirst. And the very act, of, according to Emmanuel Swedenberg, the very act of satisfying Jesus' thirst through doing what is symbolized by, offer, symbolized by offering Jesus wine vinegar on a stock of hyssop, we ourselves are transformed in mind and heart. So it's cleansing. It's cleansing. Purge us with hyssop. Purge us with that cleansing. That cleansing. That cleansing. That cleansing, cleansing, cleansing. We are cleansed. <laughs> we are cleansed. We are washed by his blood. Thank you for joining. I'm sorry for that little extraness. I just wanted to read and make clear. Um, email me if you get anything else. I'm going to do more research into that. I'm not going to lie. It was a lack of confidence that made me research. So pray for my confidence because I had an idea. But I just wanted to give straight facts. But I'm not going to lie. It was a lack of confidence. I need to be stronger in what the Lord has told me and stronger believing in it. So please just pray for me on that. Um, but yeah, may God bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. I'm sorry for the long delay as well. Pray for my consistency, my passion, my seriousness. And um, I'll be posting another sermon later on. And I hope that this may be a blessing to you. You should expect three 
this one week, two today, and one probably next week. And I hope that each of them are a blessing to you. And may God bless you and keep you. And may his face shine upon you and give you great peace. And just now for sources, I was on leewolf.org with the hyssop meaning. And there's a whole lot of different... um. sites here and sources but um god bless you and keep you i love you guys thank you for the constant listeners may you be well and may you be safe in jesus name i declare that no weapon that formed against you shall prosper and the armor of christ shall cover your life from head to toe for you do not fight with weapons of this world but of divine power to break down strongholds and every tongue and thought that rises against you shall be refuted In the name of Jesus Christ, for that is your inheritance, that is our inheritance, for we do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And I declare our minds this week shall be be kept on whatever is true, holy, commendable, pure, lovely, worthy, excellent, and worthy of praise. And I declare that in everything we shall be anxious about nothing, but submit our requests and petitions up to God with thanksgiving, knowing and declaring that his promise of peace that passes all understanding will complete and be and surpass our understanding and we shall live knowing that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death that held us down in the Old Testament in the time of Moses but we are not obligated to that no more for we are set free and who Christ sets free is free indeed for God did what the law could not do weakened by the flesh to send his son in the flesh to condemn sin in the flesh to condemn all our burdens in the flesh so the righteous requirement of the law could be fulfilled in us so we don't have to live up to it because it is already living within us through the holy spirit that is within us in which we are justified by our faith in which we could boast in the lord and boast in our suffering knowing that endurance suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope a hope that will not put us to shame And that is the truth. For Christ died for us. And he is our king. God bless you. And thank you. Hello. Just a quick update at the end of this message here. I'm releasing two more messages over the course of two weeks. So you will receive this message Wednesday, March 17th. The next message, March 24th. And the next message, March 31st. God's willing just to break it out over duration so you could have a message each week. And I say this to say because I'd originally planned to give you each message, or at least two of them, on the same day. But I'm going to spread it out over the next few weeks. And I hope that you will be blessed. Thank you. It's just a brief update. God bless you and keep you. Love you.